Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a show that explores the psychology, emotions, and math of money so you can make better, smarter choices regardless of where you fall on the income or wealth spectrums. I'm your host, Jaquette Timmons. On today's episode, we're going to do things a little differently. You're used to only hearing my voice, also known as a solo cast, but I have a guest with me today, and I'm going to uh, let her tell you a little bit more about herself in just a moment, but I'm just so delighted to welcome Joycelyn Taylor to More Than Money. She's our first guest, so... Joyce Lynn, thank you so much for being here. Um, and again, I'll give, I'll give her a moment to introduce herself to all of you. But I want to set the tone for today. And I want to set the tone in terms of why, A, I wanted to have this conversation around politics and money, but also why I wanted to have this conversation very specifically with her. And the trigger for it was a video that she posted on Facebook back in May. And when the video ended, she challenged us by asking, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do with it? How would you spend it? And how would that be different than how our current elected officials are spending our money? And I took that challenge to mean that being politically involved and engaged extends beyond voting. And so for me, it was, huh, well, what would I actually do if I were managing a budget like that? And it also made me realize that when you begin to ask that kind of a question, and these are my words, these are not what she said, but it reminds me of the fact that when you move beyond voting, you move beyond being a passive citizen. And a couple of examples that she used in the video was A, she talked about how uh, $100 million was spent on the Statue of Liberty Museum. Nothing wrong with that, but the question was, would you have spent the money that way? And did you have a voice in how that money was spent? Or she talked about the billion dollars that was spent on Hudson Yards. All of these things really just landed with me and gave me food for thought. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about politics and money and look at that through the lens of political involvement, power, and our individual and therefore also collective ability to build wealth and leave a legacy. As we talk, you will see that we are going to be using New York City, which is the home base for where she and I live, as examples. But I think her challenge, and I'm hoping that as you listen to the conversation, you will see that this is really relevant regardless of where you live, whether it's another large city, a mid-sized one, a small one, or even a rural town. So with that, Joycelyn, thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and uh, a third layer to that question is, what inspired you to become politically engaged? Well, first and foremost, Jackhead, thank you for having me on. I'm honored to be your first guest on the podcast. Um, I am a mom. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the CEO of a general contracting firm, Taylor May Contracting. I also run a nonprofit organization. I'm the chair of New York City MWBE Alliance. Um, and what inspired me to get politically involved is the work that I was doing with the nonprofit. 
you know, the city spends uh, $22 billion in the procurement of goods and services. And when I started the nonprofit, the city was probably spending about 2% of that spend with minority and women-owned businesses. Mm. So giving the impact on those dollars, it, it, it made it clear to me that it was important that I engage and get involved in, you know, ensuring that people become aware of that huge amount of opportunity that's out there, as well as the fact that they are aware as to the impact that opportunity mm-hmm. could have on their everyday lives. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, you know, I just want to put it out there because I think this is something to be um, proud of, A. And then, two, we always think of people that host fundraisers for elected officials as being in a particular category that's, you know, more than an arm's reach away from me. And I think it's pretty cool that you have hosted fundraisers for Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and as well as Robert Carnegie Jr., I think is how I say yes. his name fully, right? Um, what about what about that? Like, how is that a part of your political activism, hosting fundraisers for certain politicians? Well, the one thing that I want people to know and understand that it's very, very important that you get to know your elected officials. Mm. You know, the mm-hmm. decisions that they make, they impact your lives on a, on a daily basis. Right. So in addition to wanting to... Um, impart information on everyday people i wanted to start engaging politicians that when i hear their voice their voice and their message resonates with things that impact my life mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know i wanted to engage with politicians that are actually trying to effectuate change right right and when i look at those politicians you know sometimes we think that in order to host a fundraiser or to get involved you have to have a lot of money Mm -hmm. you have to you know be able to have a lot of influence Mm -hmm. but what I've learned throughout time is that every little bit counts right right so when I looked at those politicians and those were people that I really could support and get behind I said how can I let one make other people aware of them and the things that they're trying to do to really, you know, like I would say, create change. But two, how can I have impact to in, able to support their campaigns? Because our support of our elected officials is one in voting with them, but we also it's important for us to support them with our dollars as well because right. they need that. Right. Yeah. I, th- that was definitely something that kind of struck me just in terms of watching you do this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I want to talk, go back to the video and talk about what prompted that, uh, that video, which was you had just had a meeting and it was a meeting about something called Article 15A. So would you describe what that is and who it affects and how? Okay, so Article 15A, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because a lot of people don't know about this. Article 15A um, is a law that was enacted back in the late 80s. And the purpose of this law was because um, there was disparity studies done at that time, and we still do disparity studies today, today, that indicated that minorities and women were not getting the same amount of opportunities as others as it relates to 
their ability to engage or do work with the city and the state. Mm -hmm. So they actually had to create a law that indicates that there is a goal, goal being the key word, <laughs> that we utilize 30% of the billions of dollars that are, are spent in the budget, that we have a goal to ensure that 30% of those dollars are spent with minority and women-owned businesses. So at the time, I had just had a meeting because although it's a state law, it's only in effect for five years. Hmm. So it's kind of like a continual fight. Right. So we had had some meetings to talk about galvanizing and coming together, speaking with our elected officials about getting, ensuring that this law was extended for another five years. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your work on that. And um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be at it again <laughs> when it comes up yeah. once more in five years for uh, reevaluation. But I think one of the things that, you know, what you've just described kind of reminds me of is the fact that the things that we have as rights we can never stop fighting for them. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we think, oh, we're, you know, we got X, we're good. We don't have to worry about that anymore. And I think especially in, in our current environment, what we're realizing is no. <laughs> exactly. You have exactly. to continue to fight for that. And that fighting takes, you know, many different forms, one of which is voting, another of which is contributing to folks. Um, and then another of which, and I guess this is the piece that we'll dive into a little bit more, is really paying attention to what's going on with your dollars. And so there, there was, you, you said, and I may, I didn't write down your quote, but you said something about, um, are you tracking what, what you, let me rephrase this. So you were talking about taxes, mm -hmm. then you were talking about re measuring the return on investment for your taxes. So can you dive into that a little bit more? And here's why I'm asking that. I know how, and there are probably other people that are listening, know, we know how to you know, measure the return on investment of a stock or a mutual fund, right? Some of us even know how to measure the return on investment in buying a business, mm -hmm. whether it's quote unquote, a simple business or something that's really complex. But how do we do this? Like how as taxpayers, how do we measure that return on investment? Mm -hmm. And I thought I, it was important for me to bring out that point because I was trying to bring out that point and trying to get people to think differently as it relates to the city and how we engage with the city and what it is we get our on our return we get on our investment because here's the thing if you purchase a stock right you will follow that stock right. you will want to know how that stock is doing right 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 because you've invested your money right but i think that the reason why i said that is that people i wanted people to understand that every day you are investing in the state and the city of new york whether you're paying taxes on payroll taxes, whether you're buying a metro card, you're buying gasoline, you're buying food, you're buying clothes, that is your investment in the state and the city, mm. right? Yeah. So just like you invest in stock, you're investing in the city. Right. But what happens is that when we, look, when we invest in the stock, we look for a return on that investment. When we invest in the city and the state, 
We just expect that our elected officials are doing whatever it is that needs to be done for us and we're not paying attention to it. And I think we've also forgotten the fact that when different things are happening related to housing mm -hmm. or building mm -hmm. or whatever it is that the city is doing, the reason why the city is able to do that is because of our investment. Right. So I want people to understand a lot of times, not only should you get involved and vote, but there's a very specific reason because whether you want to or not, there are no exemptions. We all pay taxes, <laughs> right. right? Right. So that's I brought that point out so that people become aware of that mm -hmm. and what how they can track where that investment is going is look around you. Hmm. Look around where you're living. Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Are your needs being met? Were those dollars spent in the best way possible? Those dollars are also going to build wealth and legacy. Right. Look around and see where that wealth and legacy is being built. Right. I'm not saying that, you know, it shouldn't happen. You know, certain things shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. But it's just like an example of your personal household, right? Right. In your personal household, you pay your rent. You make sure you have food on the table. You make sure you have clothes. Right. Right. So you got to be fiscally responsible, they would say. Right. Do we have that same expectation of the city and the state? Hmm. Right. So that's why I asked the question about Hudson Yards. Right. Right. Do we think that it's a smart idea to spend a billion dollars on Hudson Yards if people don't have any place to live? Right. Would that money be better spent somewhere else? Right. Those changes aren't going to happen organically. We have to start thinking differently about the dollars that we're investing and how they're being spent. And so how, I'm, I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> the other reaction is, how do you, how do you get past um, the, the person who might have the snarky response around, well, I can't affect change like I can't affect what that person does or doesn't do with my tax dollars whomever were the people in the room that made the decision about spending the one billion dollars on Hudson Yards I can't affect that so how do you how do you get through to people that they can well whether you believe it or not you are affecting change your your silence has an effect hmm. as well as your voice Right. So you have to decide which one like your silence is going to have an effect and it may not be in your best interest. Right. <laughs> and that and your voice that could have an effect and it could actually help you. Right. That reminds me of a really dear friend of mine who once said no decision is a decision. And I was like, mm, yeah, that's a really good point. And that's mm -hmm. what your, your silence is, is a, a way of either buying into mm -hmm. something or not. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And, you know, the thing is, too, is that one of the things that I've found and one of the things that I've told people is that you have to learn how to take your power back. Yes. You have to tap into the greatness within you and know that you have the ability to create change. Don't right. ever doubt that. Right. Right. If you look at especially, you know, in the African-American community, if mm -hmm. you look at our in our history. Right. Mm -hmm. We've always had to create something from nothing. Yes. 
right? You yes. give us the worst of meat, we're going to make you the best meal. Right. You give us the worst cloth, we're going to make you the nicest outfit. Right. We've always had to create something from nothing. Yes. So everyday individuals have to tap back in, into that. Right. And, and figure out how they're going to now continue that legacy. Yes. And continue that, that uh, ability to create. So I love so much about that, and, it, and it's a great segue into something else that you mentioned in the video that really caught me by surprise, because it is not the thing that we normally hear. What we normally hear is create affordable housing, create affordable housing. And you said, don't create affordable housing. <laughs> you said, create a pathway to help people buy co-ops and condos. So I would just love for you to just expand on that a little bit more because um, I don't know if you got other comments on that, on that particular piece of the video, but that really, A, surprised me, but I loved every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so talk to me more about that. Like we, we hear so much, whether it's on a state level or federal level, we hear so much around creating affordable housing, but we don't hear a lot of conversation around a pathway so that more people can own. Mm -hmm. You know, we and, and that's very important because we talk all the time about people's ability to um, create legacy right mm -hmm. you want legacy you want to be able to pass something down to the next generation you want the next generation everybody wants that the next generation to be better than you are right mm -hmm. but somewhere along the line we've been convinced that legacy is a cheap apartment <laughs> right and the reason why i say instead of building affordable apartments to build co-ops and condos because if you look at the prices of some of these affordable apartments who wants to walk away from having paid rent for 30 years at $3,000 a month with nothing? Right. Like, if we can create these affordable apartments, yes, the developers can develop it. They can make, they're going to make their profit on the development of it anyway, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. But at that point, let people have ownership in something. When you right. have ownership in something, you treat it differently. Right. Like, I look at the people that are living in NYCHA. NYCHA should have been come up with a pathway to ownership for those residents. A lot of those residents, people don't understand, are paying $1,400, $1,600. Some of them are paying $2,000 a month in rent. That is and they've amazing been there. to me. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, but they don't talk about that, right? right? They would like you to assume that everybody that living in NYCHA is on welfare and right. looking for a handout, right. right? But those people are there because there's no place else affordable for them to go. Right. Right? Yeah. But why don't you create a pathway to ownership for them so that they can have a vested interest in where they live mm -hmm. and they, they can help to work to create the space that they want for themselves. Right. Because everybody wants to be able to be okay. Right. Right. You right. can't convince me um, otherwise right. of that. Right. So I think that just like we can figure out a pathway to create these, you know, affordable apartments, mm -hmm. we have to step back and we have to now let people have ownership in something. That was supposed to be the American dream, right? Yes. A house with a white picket fence. Exactly. And, you know, right. we can't have all of that. We don't have the space for it. Right. But, you know. She is in a condo or a co-op would be nice. Yeah, right? that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Well, yeah, that definitely just uh, in a good way, took the win. I was like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, 
as we begin to just kind of uh, wrap it up, I want to go back to the question that you had at the end of the video. And at the, at the end, it was, you know, what would you do if you were responsible for a billion dollars? And again, I'm thinking about the magnitude of that dollar amount and, you know, helping people wrap their arms around that and how the process of doing so, as you mentioned, reminds them of their power, helps them to build wealth, helps them to, you know, understand the impact. What's, what are some of the mindset um, practices, I guess, and maybe what are some of the actions that people can take today for something that may seem like it's so far away? So that, it, so that the distance between now and having that big impact on that billion dollar budget doesn't seem so wide. Like what can someone do today? Well, the first thing that I would encourage everyone to do is to get involved in their community and get involved with their elected officials. Mm -hmm. And I think that you should, you know your community best. Think about what it is that your community needs and then start asking for things, right? right? Because, you know, there was an expression they used to say, if you don't ask for anything, you don't get anything, right? right? So start asking for things. Ask, right. ask for a return on your investment, right? Right. Ask to be considered and, you know, um, not taken for granted. That's something that you could do immediately because you're, you know, listen, in various council districts, they have participatory budgets, and you could vote on various um, projects that are going on. Get involved in that. That's your money, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, if you have an idea for something. And one of the most important things I want people to do is think about a business that you can open so that you can become one of the city's clients, Mm -hmm. so that you can make part of that $7 billion that's supposed to go to minority and women-owned businesses and right. they can't find you guys. <laughs> Think about that. Start right. doing that, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the things that you can start doing immediately to, to try to just have an impact on your community and have an impact on your everyday life. That, I, I love both of those because they are quote-unquote simple. Um, and I put the quotes around them because they do require effort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Simple does not mean absence of effort. But I also think that um, in the simplicity of them, it goes back to the power. It's one of those things where you hear that and you say, oh, I can do that. I can mm -hmm. go to a community board meeting. And again, I just want to remind listeners, I know that we're centering this around things that are happening in New York City and maybe where you live, there isn't such a thing as a community board meeting, but whatever the equivalent of that is, mm -hmm. um, get involved in that. And also I think, um, and this is another question for you, what would be from a legislative position what would be the equivalent for people to try to figure out their version of Article 15A? Is it 15A? What is it? Um, yes, it's okay. 15A. On yeah. the city level, it's um, uh, Local Law 1. Okay. Um, but what do you mean, in other states? Yeah, in other states and uh, yeah, in other states and other cities. Like, what would other people look for to just kind of see, oh, what's the parallel where I live? Yeah, so I would just suggest possibly Googling, like, MWBE or Minority mm. and Women-Owned mm -hmm. Business Enterprises. Okay. Um, and then get in contact with your local um, elected officials and ask them that question. Okay. Right? And I even want everyday citizens here in New York to start asking their local officials that question. 
What are you doing for MWBE firms? Because that's very important. That's true trickle-down economics. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. That's the ability to put money in communities so that people could hire other people. Right? That's the ability to put money in communities so that people could afford the affordable co-ops, and I'm say I'm going to put it out there in the universe. The affordable <laughs> co-ops and condos right. that are going to be built. Right. That's putting money in the community so people could afford better health care options right. and afford education. So start having those conversations with your elected officials because we have to ensure that everyone is able to seek opportunity or obtain opportunity from the money that we're all putting into the pot. Right. I always say that we need to ensure that the diversity of the money going in right. matches the diversity of the money coming out. Totally love that. So that's so important. And we need to understand every day we invest every day. Somebody's building wealth and legacy off of those dollars. We just want to ensure that, you know, Everyone is able to live comfortably. Right. And everybody is able to um, create, if their dollars are being used by others to help them create wealth and legacy, then we should be able to make sure that we're doing, that those dollars are working for us in equal measure. Exactly. Yeah. And one of, one of the things that I also really love about that is, you know, I've said in a, in a num on a number of other different platforms, including another show on Sirius, um, and this is when we were talking about uh, black economic empowerment in the era of Trump, I said one of the things that we need to do is make sure that we are electing officials that have some sort of platform or plan for supporting small businesses. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that is one way, but a significant way of being able to turn the tide from an economic standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important because if people, if you think about it realistically, right, there are so many issues that people have as it relates to housing, as it relates to health care. We talk about issues with climate change. We talk about so many issues with education. But we don't address the one issue of the fact that we're not spe spreading money and funds around equally. Right. If we did that, if we worked on that one issue, right. then the issues with housing would be different. Right. Then the issues with health care would be different. Right. Then the issues with education would be different. Right. If we empower people to have their own businesses and be successful and to be able to grow their businesses and, you know, be able to, to actually afford to live right. in the city that, you know, they're mm -hmm. working in, mm -hmm. then that would have huge change for us. Right. I always tell people this is an ever we're at a pivotal moment we have to create the change that we want to see right right we so. can't we can't stand on the sidelines exactly <laughs> so <laughs> i want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your really busy day to have this conversation with me and for inviting me and everybody else listening for inviting us to actually get off the sidelines <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh I really God. enjoyed this. Yeah, and I just want to say again, um, for me, the, the what this kind of you know tapped me on my shoulder to think about is taking a more active role beyond voting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> right. It, it's not just enough to do that, and uh, to to really invest the time to really understand how the dots are connected, mm -hmm. you know, between the money that we're giving and where that money is going. Mm -hmm. So again, thank you so much for raising our awareness on something really, really pivotal. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. Awesome. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you liked the little twist that we had in terms of me having a guest and what a wonderful first guest to have in a great conversation. Um, as always, I'm going to ask you to let me know what you think, what you found most useful. And I really also want to know, what are you going to do differently? How are you going to get more actively involved beyond voting uh, in your community, whether you live in New York City, City like we do or elsewhere? Also, please remember to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if we're not already connected on social media, follow me on Instagram. My handle is J-A-C-Q-U-E-T-T-E-M Timmons. And if you did not hear before, let me tell you about pearls of wisdom for college grads. Actually, it's pearls of financial wisdom for college graduates. Um, you can go and take a preview of that, bit.ly forward slash preview dot pearls of wisdom, and that's all lowercase. And it is a self-paced uh, course program that college students or recently college graduates can go through to really just kind of help them ease into the new role and responsibilities that come with this new stage in their life. <laughs> so check that out. Again, it's bit.ly forward slash preview dash pearls of wisdom and the pearls of wisdom is all lowercase. So until next time, remember it is about more than money.